Good morning, everyone, and happy feast weekend. We're celebrating Nicholas of Tolentino, and uh, we have the blessed bread available at the doors and by his statue and medals. And uh, my friends, our first reading uh, comes from Isaiah, uh, the great prophet, and I'm so in- feel so endeared to him because he seemingly with ease navigated the world navigated all the seasons of life, the ups and downs, the hardships, the joys, uh, the captivity, the freedom. And he did so with joy, always. And what we hear from him today, uh, he's trying to communicate that to the people. Uh, He had been, uh, now Jesus uh, will quote Isaiah a lot, but Isaiah was abused because he was a prophet and he spoke God's word. And he's saying, in all this, I know my God is with me. And furthermore, he is with you. He has not abandoned you or I. And even from the cross, people miss, yes, Jesus, he's praying. He's actually praying when we hear, my God, my God, why you abandoned me? It's a psalm. It's from the psalms. He's praying. If you go and look at the complete, the whole psalm, you'll see it moves from that into, I know you are my vindicator and you are with me. So when the world thought this was an abandonment of God, it was not. It was him drawing us closer. So when we suffer, because when we suffer as a priest, I hear, why is God doing this to me? Well, why why do you think he's persecuting you? I mean, that's a little bit of an ego trip. Why only you? He's not. If anything, you are drawing even closer and closer to his son who suffered and more and more like him, and he's drawing you even closer, Sonny. St. James is telling us, really, because sometimes there's tension in the Christian world amongst the different denominations about all of this. And what James is saying, St. James is saying, look, if you have faith, that faith will transform you. And that transformation will flow out of you, and everything you say and everything you do will be in righteousness and holiness. So he's getting at, he said, if you do nothing, is not that just dead? You know, and people like to pose them against St. Paul, uh, who says something different. But when we look at the totality of all of it, we understand they're all on the same page, so to speak. Friends, our gospel. Jesus poses a very critical and important question. Who do people say that I am. And even though for us it seems like an obvious and easily answered question, we can see from the gospel, it was not so obvious. And those were the ones who were walking with him. They didn't quite understand. We can see in the varied responses, John the Baptist. I know, I find, I'm like, John the Baptist? Where'd you get that from? But we have hindsight. They didn't. Because you know, I thought, well, I don't even get that. Where, where did you get that from? And then they go on, Elijah. Oh, okay, Elijah you know, went off in a period, you know, chariot. And, okay, but no, 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 can't be that. Some other prophet? This reveals how an answer to his question is not so clear. And those who are closest to him do not understand. And it's true today. For many, 
They still don't understand who he is. It is crucial for us to answer Jesus' question. And how we answer it is going to tell us how we understand who he is. For the way we understand Jesus determines how we are going to relate to him. If Jesus is John the Baptist, then we will look to him only for instruction on moral formation, because John the baptizer was very good at that. If he is Elijah, then we can only regard him merely as a mystical figure. And if Jesus is merely another prophet, then he is only a spokesperson for God, but not God himself. Jesus' question is one that we must pray about and come to discernment. And we, the disciples today, we the Christians today, we the people on this earth today, must discern and move away from our misconceptions, our preconceptions about our assumptions and our labels. The people of Jesus' time as well as we cannot reduce Jesus to what we want him to be for us. It doesn't work. For if we do not know Jesus as he is, we will never be able to love him properly. And if we do not know the true identity of Jesus, who he really is, we will not come to know the Father. And here we go. And if we cannot know Jesus, and if we do not know the Father, you will never really know who you are yourselves. The answer um, to more important, uh, to other questions, not more important, just other questions. I brought up the fact that uh, as a priest, I, people come to me and uh, they get upset. Well, God won't cure me. So why is he persecuting me? Why do you think that? Why do you relate to God as a persecutor? Why do you relate to him as someone who hates you? Have you not read the scriptures? Do you not understand who he is? Well, and it breaks my heart as a priest when Christians don't understand, and because of that, they're afraid of him. I gave an example around my house. Uh, the bunnies are running around, the rabbits, and uh, um, I feed them carrots. <laughs> and, uh, but they're afraid of me. So, I do it, I look, and they're not around. I break the carrots and throw them all over the lawn. And then they come running. They're like out of nowhere. And sometimes if I was sharing with Officer Allen, one of them was sitting, I swear, he was looking in the window at me in the kitchen. like. <laughs> so I cracked the door a little bit and threw the carrot out. And he just hopped right over to it. But if I were to step outside they would scatter and run because they don't know me. They don't know I mean no harm. Are you getting this? The rabbits don't know me, so how they relate to me is he's big and scary and lives in that monster house, but he does feed us. <laughs> so my friends, when we do not understand Jesus when we do not understand the Father. We fear. 
And then ultimately, we will not know who we are. The question then is, who are we? Who are we? Only our Lord Jesus Christ can reveal to us who we truly are. For if we were to search only human ideas and actions and attitudes and ideologies, we would arrive at a very despairing picture of human beings. Only Christ can reveal the true dignity of the human person. And he does so by inviting us to discover who he is. In the Gospel account, Peter makes a statement. You are the Christ. It shows that Peter has faith, but he doesn't really understand. Because we're told a few minutes later, he takes Jesus off side and no, you will not suffer. No, you will not. No, 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 no. That's not the Jesus. That's not the Messiah I need. I'm taking liberty. We must ask, what does Peter mean then by his statement, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah? Because it's going to require Peter and all the disciples and all of us to give up our mistaken ideas about the Messiah, about Christ, about the Son of God, about God himself, about power, about love, and about salvation. My friends, the high priest on that afternoon, the high priest belittled and taunted Jesus on the cross because he misunderstood the Messiah. Mark Chapter 14, line 61. Mark chapter 15, line 32. He misunderstood, and so he made fun of Jesus. Absolutely crucial is the need to know and understand truly our Lord's identity, so much so that Jesus rebukes Peter for trying to change him, to trying to change God's will. To do this, is blasphemous and shows the ignorance of Peter in that moment. Jesus and his grace and his cross did not come to deliver us from a world of many difficulties. Rather, he came to deliver us from sin and permanent death, to give us life eternal. Thus, to know the truth about Jesus and to act on that truth is to have salvation. It is to have life eternal, and ultimately, it helps us to embrace the truth about ourselves, who we are in Christ, and who we are to the Father. I suspect that is why the very next thing that Jesus does in the Gospel account, he summons all those who are in earshot of him and his disciples, and then he begins to tell them, you are wrong your ideas of the Messiah are wrong. Here's what is necessary. To deny oneself, to take up one's cross, and to walk in my ways. To follow what he says, basically. Despite how challenging it can be, we must do this. And my friends, um, I always try to approach the scriptures in a different way. So hang on, uh, 5.30, we kind of walked out with, Wow, 
We don't know what he was talking about. 8.30 was much better. So I'm going to preface what I'm about to do for you with Scripture. We heard in the Gospel today, Jesus tell Peter, you are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. And from Isaiah chapter 55, line 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Everything we need to know about God is in the Scriptures. They always have been. The most ancient of all the, of the, uh, of the religions uh, that are monotheistic is Judaism. Jews, Hebrews, the Israelites. So, uh, they have the Torah, we understand it as the Pentateuch. So from the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, just stop right there. In the beginning, God. Now, in that account, it will go on. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image after our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame animals, the wild animals, all creatures that crawl on the earth. God created humanity in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. The bunnies in my yard are not created in God's image. They have the thumbprint of their creator, but they are not created in his image. Neither are the birds. To the best of my knowledge, we human beings are the only ones. This is important to know God, to know his son, and to know yourself. We bear the image of God. And let us continue to look to see who God is. And then God made us in his image and did something even more. He gave us the freedom to choose. And then he loved us with such intensity that he respected our choices. And then this God did the most incredible and unimaginable thing. He began to plan and to work to reverse the bad consequences of humanity's decision to go against him. Are you guys getting this? Are you seeing a picture of the Creator? It doesn't end there. It gets even more astounding. My friends, people come to priests and spiritual leaders and they, they have questions that have haunted humanity from ancient times. Why am I here? And why do I matter? And 
Where did everything come from? <laughs> Do you guys ever get that one? How is something made of nothing? In the beginning, God. Just stop right there. In the beginning, God. We are here on purpose. It is not because of happenstance in the universe. We were not created by the universe by some mathematical cosmetic, cosmic convergence that just happened. We are not dust in the wind as the 70s saw to land on the earth. In the beginning, God. And then God made you in his image. So you have purpose and value. I want you to think about this. You are made in God's image. You had better start being nice to each other because you bear his image. God made us in his image to be image bearers in his creation. To know and to relate to each other in community, just as Father, Son, and Spirit are community. So we are to be community. God created us in his image so that we would come to know and relate to him. And finally, finally, Galatians 4, 4, Ephesians 1, 10. In the fullness of time, God joined us again in the most unique way that has ever happened. He became man in all things like us but sin. Genesis 3, 8, the Garden of Eden, God walked with man in the afternoon breeze and we ruined it. But then his plan was in place and in the fullness of time he walked again with us. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the son of Mary. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the suffering servant. Jesus, Lord and Savior. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, God. And he came and joined us again and walked with us. Matthew 28. 20. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the ages. He didn't leave us again. He returned and stayed. And this brings me to the Eucharist. John 6.51 I am the living bread come down from heaven. This is my one quote that is not scripture. It comes from Thomas Aquinas regarding the Eucharist. It is a gift and the giver of the gift at the same time. They are one. 
people see the bread and wine, it's just dead wheat. It's just smashed grapes. Jesus said, I am the living bread. This is my body. This is my blood. We feed off of not a dead person, but a living person. Not only a living, but the one who has power over life itself. So he draws you in. When we receive the Eucharist, that divineness of him is shared with us. Remember, you are made in his image. He loves you so much. He would do this, and people struggle with this, and I will use scripture. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And that is why you do not believe. Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. How you relate to Jesus, how you relate to the Father, will tell me how you're steeped in faith, and ultimately, how you relate to yourself. Now, I just saved you thousands of dollars from the psychiatrist. <laughs> My friends, the Eucharist transforms, instills life and faith and hope and joy within us in all things, Sonny, in all things. God has not abandoned, but reaches into us that we may become part of him. In the beginning, God. In a few moments, we will celebrate the Eucharist. And the very one who holds all things together in the universe, he is going to be put into your hands. And you will hold him. Do you know and understand and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You are God. And I love you. My friends, this becomes important. As a priest, my heart breaks when my people are afraid of God. I've just showed you from the scriptures. I've used all the scriptures to give you the picture Jesus has told you, I'm showing you from the scriptures from Old Testament and New Testament, who the Father is, who Jesus is, who you are. Know that. Amen?